Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? All right. Well, tonight we're going to be opening up our Bibles first to the book of First Peter. You'll find it way over to your right if you have one of these old-fashioned Bibles. If you have a scroll, it's going to take you a little longer to unroll it, most likely, because it's way over there. Maybe you have some papyrus or something, you know. Hopefully, you're not reading from a stone. If you have a tablet or perhaps, you know, a phone that you're following along, then you can probably just, you know, click on First Peter. We're going to be going to chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And the title of tonight's message, I, I, I went through several different titles that I normally do, trying to make it something that was meaningful and something that is memorable and something that might spark someone's interest as they are looking around and, and, and Googling, trying to find a message, because I believe the Word of God is the message of the day. I believe it is the help that people need. Uh, so our, our title for tonight is Holding on to Hope in an Evil world. I know that many of you, uh, you know, realize that we are in an evil world. We're in a world that, you know, has, 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 you know, not just gone crazy. It's not just our world has gone crazy. We are in an evil world. Okay. And, um, I'm not happy about it. I'm not smiling because of that, but I'm smiling because I know the answer. I know what can help. And tonight, we're going to learn how to hold on. Tonight, we're going to find out the secret. Tonight, we're going to uh, learn how to do more than just survive. Uh, even in terrible times. The terrible times that are happening to friends and neighbors and family. Uh, and the terrible times that perhaps uh, come our way or, or overshadow us from time to time. You know, um, there is an evil word. Uh, world out here and it's important that we know how to hold on to hope you know without hope you know what do you do the apostle peter in the fifth chapter of first peter we're going to specifically look at verse number 10 before we go to another set of scriptures in luke chapter 4 and then we'll come back to first peter 5 for our conclusion. But look at what Peter concluded. Now, uh, Peter, you know, lived in a very interesting time when, uh, you know, uh, he was facing a lot of evil persecution. He had seen executions of, the, of, of some other apostles. He was there whenever Stephen was stoned. He was there in Jerusalem when, when you know, James was beheaded by some evil people. He was walking, you know, with Jesus when John the Baptist was, you know, um, imprisoned and beheaded. He had seen quite a lot and he had traveled the world and he was writing his heart. And he says in verse 10, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, 
strengthen and settle you. Wow. Here the Apostle Paul, who knew about this subject, and the Apostle Peter, who was well-versed in this, both of them in this day were encountering hardships. And Peter writes to us in this particular passage, the Apostle Paul in other passages, and speaks to us about suffering. You know, uh, I know that suffering is not a popular message. Okay, I was baptized in the Word of Faith movement. And I still believe in faith and confession. I do not want to confess problems coming my way, sickness, worry, defeat. In fact, I resist those things. You know, I'm not at the place in life where I say, you know, it ain't dark. You all know the message I'm talking about? When God looked at the world in Genesis 1-1 and, and uh, you know, uh, he had created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1-2, he saw that the earth was without form and void and darkness was covering the face of the deep. You know, he knew he had a problem. He knew there was a problem. He did not deny the problem. God did not say it ain't dark. God rather said, let there be light. Confession and our confession of faith is in a prayer to God, is in a declaration of things that we want without denying things that are. We cannot imagine that faith works in reverse. It works in forward. Denying what is happening will not bring help. Acknowledging what is happening and then declaring what God can do in the face of trouble and tragedy is how faith and confession works. It does not work. And then what would have happened if God had a, had a, you know, the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, Genesis 2, Genesis 1, 2 says. And God said, what would have happened if he had said, it ain't dark. And just walked, just walked off. Never did Jesus deny something that was happen, happening. He rather denied its right to continue. He denied its power to exist. He denied, he, he, he denied the right of money changers to infiltrate the temple of God. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say there's not trouble in the house of God. He said, God wants this cleaned up. Hello. Do you imagine how faith works and how the apostle Peter here is saying to us something that is a reality? And the reality is each one of us should not deny the reality that suffering exists in this world. And sometimes we suffer for a little while before we see the results of our prayer, our confession, our hope. This is the pattern that the Apostle Peter and that the Apostle Paul would also write to us. I had rather listen, by the way, I know it's not a popular doctrine in some circles, but I had rather listen to the Word of God by, by, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the apostles of the Lamb, than I had listened to anyone else. 
How can we be prepared for the troubles of this world if we refuse to acknowledge that this world is filled with troubles? You know, it is one of the things that Jesus wanted us to know. It's one of the words that he left to us in John the 16th chapter. Jesus plainly said to us, I want you to know something. In this world you will have troubles, tribulations, trials, testings. Thankfully, he did not leave it there. But neither did he say, you will never have any more trouble. That was not his confession. It was not the confession of Jesus Christ that you will never have affliction. It was not the confession of Jesus Christ that that persecution will not come. It was not the testimony of the apostle Peter that perilous times will not come. But rather just the opposite. Perilous times will come. You know, tribulation, he said, but he did not leave it there. God never leaves us on a down note. He never leaves us on a sad note. If it is, if, if it is bad, he's not finished yet. Okay? This is the message of faith. This is the message of hope. This is the message of the love of God for mankind. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But thankfully, he didn't stop there. He said, but be of good cheer. How in the world could you be of good cheer? You can only be happy. You can only muster joy. You can only have a confidence whenever you have a hope. Whenever you hope that it's not going to be this way forever. Whenever you hope that things can change. When you lose hope that things can get better. When you lose hope that things are, are, are never going to be any better then how in the world can you cheer up? How in the world can you have joy? How in the world? Well, Jesus said, I have a joy that is unspeakable and it is full of glory. I have a peace that passes all understanding, that surpasses the things that you see and you observe and the things that are around you. Jesus said, you know, be cheerful, (laughs) you know, because I have overcome the world. Wait, he overcame the world? Yes, And not only did Jesus overcome the world, okay, but he showed us how he did it. Jesus overcame the world. He overcame all of the trouble that the devil caused him. He overcame all of the trouble that the devil caused mankind. Jesus overcame the devil by turning to And by fully embracing and trusting in the word of Almighty God. This is what he did. Uh, And, you know, it's not that, that we're not going to have disappointment and pain. But rather it's that we've been given a hope that surpasses this world's woes. We have been given a hope. That the wiles, the plans of the devil will not be the last word. Jesus showed us in that the Bible says he was tempted in all manner like as we are yet without sin. He shows us how to hold on to hope in an evil world because he came to an evil world. Think about this. He came to a world that crucified him. He came to a world to love the world 
when the world was filled with sin, when the world was denying him, when the world was rejecting him, chastising him, spitting on him. He came to a world that did not know him, did not love him, did not appreciate him, did not embrace him. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He did not come to a world to condemn the world. He came to a world full of sin to save the world. Genesis 1-1, verse 2 and verse 3 is a picture of every life. It's not just a picture of the world. It's the first picture God shows us. It's a picture of salvation, of, of, of God creating mankind, the world. And, and all of a sudden, God looks up in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, and he sees a world filled, a life filled with darkness, with chaos. Adam and Eve, his creation, uh, you know, full of darkness, that it, it covered them and their world, their lives were chaotic and, 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 and darkness covered the face of the deep in their life and the Spirit of God moved down. He could have just went to another world. But he came, he came to me in my darkness. He came to me when, when I didn't deserve him. He came and he said, let there be light. In verse 4, and there was light. And God began to separate the light from the darkness. He began a process in my life, just like he did in your life, just like he will in your life. If you will let him in, he's knocking on your door. If you don't know him, he wants in. If, if it's a business, he wants in. If it's a family, if it's, if it's a nation, he wants in. Invite him in. He will begin a process of separating light from darkness. And it's a process. Jesus was tempted, as I said. How did he hold on? Can you imagine? You know how hard it is in your life. Can you imagine how hard it would be for the perfect person, for the Son of God, to live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? Imagine how it felt to him to walk through the quagmire, through the thickets of this life. Imagine what it was like for him to pass through the wicked process of this world. He shows us how to hold on to hope in an evil world. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible says, and reading from the New King James Version, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, don't you know the devil picks a time whenever he knows you want something, need something, deserve something. Jesus was in a place where he needed something. It had been 40 days since he'd eaten. He wanted something. The Bible says he was hungry. He had a need. He had a want. He had an ability to meet that need. He, everything was in place. And the devil said to him, hey, if you are the son of God, 
Boy, there's an appeal to you. You know. Command this stone to become bread. Verse 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil continued to tempt Jesus. You, you know, you've probably read the account. If you've not read the account, let me encourage you. Read the whole account. The devil continues to tempt Jesus. He tempts him, uh, you know, in, 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 in different ways. And as Jesus is being tempted, it's not unlike Adam and Eve having been tempted in the Garden of Eden. You know, we don't know how many times they were tempted. We only are given a picture of Genesis 3, the one time that Eve, you know, uh, went for the temptation, decided that, that, that I'm going to do what I want, what's best for me. I'm going to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to do, we, you know, I'm going to do what I want. The moment that Eve stopped trusting God, stopped trusting his word, started doubting his word, started questioning his word, started questioning his love, started questioning his forgiveness, started when the moment that she started questioning God's commitment to her, God's love, God's ability to help her get her what, what she wanted and she desired, the moment the devil was successful, how many times did he try it? I don't know, but I can imagine a lot. I can imagine he tried tempting Adam a lot. I imagine he tried and tried and tried because that's the picture that Jesus shows us here of the devil trying and trying and trying to get him, trying to find a way in, trying to find a crack in, 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 in his armor, trying to find a place that I can get into his mind, a place I can get and, and, and make them you know, doubt God and in some way not trust God for the process. We catch this snapshot of Eve in Genesis chapter 3 when she stopped trusting in and holding on to the word of God and instead placed her hope in the things of this world. In 1 John 2.16, John wrote to us that all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you know, it is, it is not of the Father, but it's of this world. That's where Jesus was tempted, where Eve was tempted, where we are tempted. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are the things that we're not watchful. We will trust the world. We will look to the world. We will, we will, you know, the world can supply the lust of our flesh. The world can supply the lust of our eyes. The world can supply, you know, uh, the, the, the pride the, of, of our livelihood, of what we can do, you know, our, our vanity. The world can massage that. It's, it's, it's what the world thinks of us, not what God thinks of us. It's what the world thinks of us. It's what my neighbors think of me. It's what, you know, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's what you think of me, not what God thinks of me. No. The pride of life. After Jesus defeated the devil's temptations, the passage concludes in Luke chapter 4. It concludes this account by revealing a truth that we need to be aware of. In Luke 4, verse 13, uh, after the devil had continued to tempt Jesus, the Bible says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. <laughs> it doesn't say, okay, I can't get him, I just quit. No, it just says, uh, the devil left Jesus, he was tempting Jesus, and when he couldn't get through to him on that occasion and all the temptations he tried, he just left Jesus alone for a little while and waited for a more opportune moment to tempt him. 
Wow. It wasn't a one-time attempt to trick, to tempt, or to deceive Jesus. The devil just decided that he would wait for a better opportunity. You know, I'll catch him again later. I'll come back and circle around later. Just probably like he did with Adam and Eve. You know, it's, you know the devil wants to separate you from God and from trusting in God's word. And uh, the devil wants to separate you from God and from the blessings of God. That's his goal. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. They had to leave the garden because of this. He wanted to separate Adam and Eve from, you know, from one another. That's what, that's what sin will do. Uh, first it separated man from man. Then it separated man from God. You know, uh, and, and, and then it separated man uh, from, from the blessings of God, from the garden. And then it separated man from eternity with God. Whoa. Man hid from God. Separated man from God. You know, that's, that's what the devil wants. He wants to separate. And, you know, the devil cannot successfully separate you from one another or from God or from the blessings of God. He cannot successfully separate you from, uh, from your family or from your friends unless he can find at least one person to work with him. He has to find one person that will work with him, one person that will take up his cause, one person that he can get to do his will, to start thinking like him. The devil wants to separate us from God and from the blessings of God. Uh, and and uh, uh, they can be, you know, uh, um, Summed up, the blessings of God can be summed up in, in basically three abiding traits of God. Hope, faith, and love. The devil wants to separate you from hope, faith, and love. That's what he wants to take away from you. He wants to take your hope away. And the Bible says these three things abide. Hope, faith, and love. God, uh, you know, God gave us these three things for a reason. And these are the three things that, that, that we have that, 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 that we embrace God with. A hope, faith in God, and love. If the hope of Christ would have been in this world, or if, if Jesus had have just hoped that the government could help him, Maybe Pilate can help me. Maybe Herod can help me. Maybe, you know, the high priest can help me. You know, uh, I mean, Jesus, I mean, uh, come on now. You're, you're facing arrest. You're facing being beaten. You're facing going to the cross. Come on. Where is your appeal? Who's going to help? Well, if Jesus would have, you know, placed his hope in this world that I'm, I'm, I'm in the world. Jesus could have said, well, I'm the son of God. I'm the light of the world. I'm in the world now. So the world is going to be okay. I'll just put my hope in the world and the world will finally turn out okay and everything will be okay and, and we can just make heaven in our midst and we'll just, uh, everything will just be okay and, you know, the governments will help me and, you know, uh, because I'm, after all, I'm the son of God. Nope. Jesus would have died in despair. But he didn't die in despair. He died in hope. He died on a cruel cross in hope. The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. What joy? What, how can you get joy? He endured. He went through the trouble, the trauma, the pressures, the hurt, the pain, the persecution. Because of a joy, he had hope of a better day. Jesus looked beyond this world to find the joy that he needed to keep loving and to keep working in this world.
He kept loving the world. And he kept working in the world. Because he looked beyond this world. To find the hope that he needed. To find the joy that he needed. To find the peace that he needed. He looked beyond the world. He didn't look to the world. He looked beyond the world. He endured the cross for the joy that was on the other side of the cross. There are some things that just cannot be undone. And some of you perhaps have met some of those things. Maybe something has happened in your life or to your life that just cannot be undone. Maybe you've seen something you cannot unsee. Maybe you've experienced something that you cannot change. Maybe you've done something that you cannot undo. Suddenly, life changes. Have you noticed that suddenly, it's one second beyond forever too late? And you can't reverse it. You can't back up. You can't stop it. You can't change it. The peace that we imagined is forever shattered. Like the peace of those in Israel tonight. Are you are in Ukraine this year? Shattered. The peace that you once imagined, the hope that you once had, that everything was going to be okay, that children would go to go go to school, and that and that you know you would uh, you know see your grandchildren, you know uh, you know uh, you know everything would be okay. You know that can be shattered in an instant. Things can suddenly change. Atrocities perpetrated against young and elderly and innocent and poor. Sometimes the peace that we have known and we have experienced just cannot be regained in life. It can be shattered. Hope. The sad news is that do you know if Jesus was here today in the flesh? the world would still crucify him again. We live in an evil world. And we are here for a reason. We are here as a light shining in darkness so that we can help to rescue the souls of men and women upon which this world perpetrates evil indignities. Even though the world would still crucify Jesus if he was here today. Yet, do you know, after all of this, he still loves the world. God so loves the world today. Not just 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus. That is a today message. Today, in the midst of all of the trouble and trauma, in the midst of all of the heartache and hurt and pain, in the midst of all of the tribulation and anguish and disappointment, God so loves the world. And no one has been more disappointed than God. He still loves the world. Even in these moments, this world is filled with both good and evil. The problem is that men and women get their eyes off of God and onto the world. And 
the world being filled with good and evil, if we are not watchful, we will allow the good that we see in the world to lull us into a sense of security. If we are not watchful, we will see the peace that the world knows, not the peace of God, but the temporary peace that the world knows or the temporary joy that the world can provide, that things can provide. If we are not watchful, we can get our eyes off of God and onto the things of this world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the bread, you know, the status of life. If we're not watchful, we can allow the good that's in this world. And there's a lot of good in this world. There is so much good in this world. But we can allow the good and the peace and the joy that is temporary to lull us into a false sense of security. And we can start living in the good of this world without God without connection, without praying over our meals and thanking him for his provision, without realizing that every good gift and every perfect gift, it's still God that's responsible for that. And as well, if we are not watchful, because this world is filled with both good and evil, we can allow the evil of this world to rob us of our hope, of our faith, and of our love. For a world that is lost. For a world that is filled with hurt and pain. We cannot allow the good to lull us into a false sense of security any more than we can allow the evil to rob us of hope, faith, and love. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If we are looking to this world, that's the only hope we have is, is for this world, then we will be miserable. Because you will continue to be disappointed. But you will never be disappointed in Jesus. There's only one hope for this world, and it's not the government, and it's not good people. Thank God for good people. They're better than evil people but I can't put my hope in them or in governments. Rather, our hope should be in Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh. The same way that he defeated the devil is the way that I need to defeat the temptations and the evils of this world. It is with the word of God and reminding myself that God is the author and the finisher of my faith, my hope, my love. What can we do to hold on to hope in these trying times? How do we maintain our, our, our faith and our love and our hope? Well, back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's just finish this as we can uh, just simply read it. It's, 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 not, um, um, it's not rocket science. Okay. Verse 6. Therefore, here's how you hold on to hope. Therefore, humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. It's his timing. Let it be his timing. Just keep yourself humble and meek. Just keep yourself. You know what humility is? Humility is trusting God. Is realizing that you need God. That's what humility is. Humility is not a meekness or a weakness that shows some, some lack of resolve in our life. Humility is a recognition of our dependence upon God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Realize that you depend on God. You're dependent on God. 
Verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares what you're going through tonight. He cares for you. Trust God. Don't, don't let the devil, don't let this temptation, don't let this tribulation, this trial rob you of your hope in God, of a hope that's beyond this world, beyond imagination, of the same hope that Jesus had when he walked in this world and faced the evil of this world, a world that was not, you know, they did not deserve him. He loved them anyway. And he had a hope for them that was beyond this world. Verse 8. Here's the action items that we need to do. Number one, be sober. Okay? You need to start thinking right. You know, sober thinking. Be sober. Get your mind on straight. Get your head on straight. Okay? One of the better things that you can do in life is start taking your own advice. Okay? Yeah. What would you tell somebody in your situation? Hey, open up the Bible. What scriptures would you give them? Okay, do that. Okay? It's not that you don't know what to do. It's that often that we don't approach it as sober-minded. Be sober. Be vigilant. That means always be on guard. Why? Because, you know, your adversary, the same one that killed Jesus, the devil who tempted him, could not get him to sin, so he killed him. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, verse 9 says. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that everybody else around you is going through the very same things. Okay? That the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers and sisters all around the world. May the God of grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that we have suffered a while. You remember the first scripture we read? Yeah. Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Wow. I'll close by telling you that we must look beyond this world if we're going to have hope in this world. We have to look to Jesus. Having hope while we are in this world means that we have to have a hope that is out of this world. Our hope is in Christ. May the peace of God and may his blessings and may his grace be on you so that the devil does not rob you in this day of your hope, your faith, and your love. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.